0: I baptise you with water for repentance but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name's Jan Tate, and I've been part of Woking Christ Church for coming up to six years now. I don't know if you remember those times before COVID when we could just pop out to the cinema or if we were splashing out occasionally to the theatre? Well, Chris and I are great fans of the actor Patrick Stewart. You may know him better for Star Trek fame as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He's got an unforgettable deep voice and fantastic acting skills. And when we heard he was playing the lead role, in the Shakespearean play, *Antony and Cleopatra. We just had to go along. We recall the moment, just a few minutes in, when Patrick Stewart came on the stage and before he had said anything in his lead role or acted at all, the whole audience broke out in spontaneous applause. Obviously had an awful lot of fans there. I've never had anything like that happen before or since, but I just thought it was an amazing moment. And it reminded me of this passage that we read through today of Jesus' baptism. The baptism is recorded in all four Gospels, so that tells me that it's incredibly important. It's an amazing pivotal moment in God's big story as Jesus steps onto the stage of history. Just picture it. John has baptised Jesus and he's now come out of the River Jordan. A dove comes onto his shoulder, representative of the Holy Spirit, and the Father opens the heavens. Lots of people have tried to paint that picture, but... I just think it's an incredible sacred moment that we got to share with the Holy Trinity. And the Father said these words from heaven This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Or in another translation, this is my beloved Son, in whom I have found my delight. Now, you might rightly say that until now, Jesus had largely lived an unremarkable life, apart from a few glimpses from time to time about who he really was. He grew up in a relatively poor family with brothers and sisters. His father was a carpenter. And I imagine Jesus probably helped in making lots of tables and chairs. At this moment in time, as God speaks from heaven, Jesus had not started his incredible ministry or being performing miracles. God is clearly pouring out his affirmation, not because of anything Jesus had done so far, although he had lived an incredibly perfect life, but because of who he was, his son. Wow, what a moment. But let's rewind a bit, how did we get to this point? We might rightly ask, how does Jesus show himself to be the true son of God, the one prophesied about and promised throughout time? The one who would step onto the stage of history to rescue us and bring us back into a relationship with God, which had been broken at the beginning of time. I want to look briefly at a few things that people say about who Jesus was. I've heard many say, wasn't Jesus just a prophet, someone who came to point the way to God? Yes, it's true he was. He was even recognised as a prophet by Muslims. And there are many, many instances in the Bible where he's referred to as a prophet. I'll give you one example, Luke 7. The disciples and a large crowd had gathered to see him doing miracles and teaching in Capernaum. And it says this. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And yes, I've also heard many people say, wasn't Jesus just a great teacher who came to show us a better way to live? And yes, again, it's true. He is recognised as a great teacher and much of our society has founded its belief systems and values, even now, on his teaching. And the Bible is still the world's best-selling book. Move over Harry Potter and the Da Vinci Code. However, the great writer and academic C.S. Lewis said it was madness if you said this. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman and something worse. Son of God? Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. What about that? Even before his birth, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary to give her the news that she was to bear a child, the angel said this, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And John the Baptist, who's in our story today, said, I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. And then the high priest asked him at his trial, I charge you under the oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. So, yes. Yes. Jesus was more than just a prophet and a teacher but even more amazing he was there before our world began. He helped to create it he was part of the trinity. Listen to these awesome words in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. And then to me, some of the most amazing verses in the whole of Scripture, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So we can be absolutely sure that Jesus fulfills the promises of Scripture coming down to be with his people, and he shows himself as the true son of God. He wasn't just a prophet and teacher and someone who made crazy claims. Like Paul, we can say, I know whom I have believed. So this is the launch of the rescue mission, the whole reason for God's big story, for Jesus to come to save us and live in relationship with us. So how does this knowledge of Jesus as the true son of God, affirmed by his father, impact our lives? What's it got to do with us? Let me tell you a story. It's a true one, which I hope will help. So my eldest son, Nick, lives in California. Lucky him. (laughs) And when I was visiting him one time, we were just chatting with some of his friends before the service began outside in the lovely Californian sun. And I noticed these two children that came up to him. Hey Nick, how are you doing? They were so full of life and joy. But I could clearly see that one of them had part of his um, knee amputated and no feet. And the other one had severe learning issues. And yet they were just so full of love and joy and i asked my son after the service i kept thinking about them can you tell me about those children and he said the pastor's wife had had a dream one night that god wanted her to adopt children that no one else would take and that is what has happened these two children had joined this family with new brothers and sisters and new parents and Going from being totally withdrawn, abandoned, not wanted, to being loved and cherished in a new family. They had just thrived and become so joyful and happy. Listen to this from Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So I think the first application for me is that God gives us, each one of us, a new identity. When we're born again into his family, we too are affirmed as sons and daughters loved by the Father, just loved for who we are, not for what we've done. I think you agree with me that every person has a deep need in their lives for love and acceptance and security. And things can go very wrong when we don't find that. Your identity is what you look to to define you. And so we can look to people and what they think of us. And we know how important it is in the healthy development of children, that they grow up with love and praise, either of a parent or a teacher or a peer group. The trouble is people let us down and not every one of us have had good father or good parent. Joyce Mayer, favourite Christian writer of mine said, from the time I can remember until I left home at the age of 18, I was sexually, verbally, emotionally and physically abused by my father. And I carried those emotional wounds into every area of my life until I found a new identity in Christ. Or we can look to things or things we own or do to give us an identity. The school we went to, the job we do, the clothes we wear the things we own and even the church ministry we have. There are so many voices, aren't there? But we were meant to be defined in relation to the one who made us. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, one of father and son or father and daughter. And he invites us to call him Abba Father. Daddy is what Abba means. How personal can that be? I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it really hard to believe that God is really pleased with me, that I'm the apple of his eye. Do you know, when I was quite a young Christian, I was given a wonderful list written by Neil Anderson called, Who I am in Christ. And it lists, I think about 80 different things that God says about us. that I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm precious. I'm a child of God. So many things. And sometimes I would pin that up um, on my bedroom wall. And if I was just feeling full of self-doubt, I would look at those things and I would repeat them. God, I'm your child. God, thank you that you love me. I don't deserve it, but I just thank you that you have adopted me into your family. I think that will help to release us from times when we feel Full of introspection and self-doubt and low self-esteem, God has given us a new identity. We are his children. And secondly, we don't have to do anything to gain his love. Like those children I told you about, who were chosen, not that the parents even knew them, because they wanted to give their love to them. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In so many other religions, they base their acceptance on their good deeds and what they've done. But I really love the fact that God loves us and we can just respond to Him not out of a sense of guilt or trying to earn His love, but just because we know that we're His children. I think it's a very easy trap to fall into, where we can begin to do what we do out of a sense of guilt and trying to please our Heavenly Father. I've met so many people in church life, and I can include myself in this as well, who get so busy doing things that we get burnt out. We feel we ought to serve, but we've lost the love that we started with. In the um, Revelation 2, in the letter written to the church at Ephesus, which is a fantastic church, it says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. Without growing weary, you have persevered and endured many things for the sake of my name. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Repent and return. You know, I'll be honest with you, Chris and I are pastorate leaders and we really, really love everybody in our pastorate. But running pastorate during COVID has been very difficult and very challenging. I've got quite tired and weary and felt like, do I really wanna do this anymore? I think there's a new phrase now, I felt zoomed out. And God has challenged me, why are you doing this? Is it just out of duty because you feel you've got to? Or is it really out of a love for me? And so I've got a question for each of us. Is our service rooted in love for God or a sense of duty? I think we do have to be really careful, make sure that what we do whether it's serving, hospitality, children, work, whatever it might be, that we do it knowing that we're already loved as children and we won't earn God's love anymore. I think that's very releasing. So God gives us a new identity and we don't have to earn his love. It's a gift. And finally, when we fail... We are still loved. During COVID, I trained as a support counsellor, telephone support counsellor. And I have heard again and again when people who are vulnerable, who've had very difficult situations, have often said to me, I feel like I'm being punished. And it's very sad that so many have that view of God as having a big stick. And when we've done things wrong, he punishes us. I was reminded about David, King David in the Old Testament. He said, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. But how can he have claimed to be the apple of God's eye? He said this before his adultery with Bathsheba and then the murder of her husband, Uriah. Did he therefore forfeit his claim after he committed such sins? You can hear David's anguish when he came to his senses and realised how he'd sinned. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And he pleads with God to restore him. I think during this time of COVID... It's brought out lots of things in our lives that are our flaws. I think our emotions and the things we do have been intensified. As Christians, we're not immune from hard times and life has been extremely tough for many, many of you. I think, for example, marriages have come under great strain having to spend so much more time than normal together. And I know lots of you have told me how hard you found it to homeschool your children. And even now to know how to support them and perhaps they're fearful. And it's been really difficult for our young people not having the social lives that they've been used to. And for some people who have spent long hours on their own. So many things. But I hope you can take encouragement from today's message that you have a father who loves you dearly every moment and every day and nothing can separate you from him. He didn't hold back from sending Jesus to die for you so that you could be restored to a relationship with him. That's the big story. I read recently that after Princess Diana's parents got divorced, that she would sit on a doorstep waiting for her mother to return, but she never did. And her brother used to cry himself to sleep. God will never leave us or forsake us. He will always be with us because we're his children. And I just want to finish by asking you a few questions. Perhaps you'd like to close your eyes And I'm just going to ask you three questions. Answer them honestly before God. What is the source of your identity? What or who are you looking to? What voices are you listening to? Are you hearing the words of love and acceptance spoken over you by God, your Father? And secondly, does your service flow from a place of love or guilt? Are you worn out trying to outdo others or win God's approval? And thirdly, have you messed up? God says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I just wanted to read a verse to finish with, and then I'm gonna take the liberty of slightly ordering it, altering it into the singular. And perhaps you can say it with me if you know it. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. It's from 1 John 3, verse one. And then I'm putting it into the personal See what kind of love the Father has given to me, that I should be called a child of God. And that is what I am. So walk tall this week. You're a child of the King. You're loved, you're chosen, you're adopted, you're precious. And live in the reality of that.